Hey, what's going on, friends? I've got a question for you. Have you been able to find good training lately? Because I've been hearing people, auditors and others, complain that they've not been able to find decent training lately. So the question I have is, why do you think you can't find engaging, relevant and just good training? Well, hold on tight, because today that is what we're going to talk about. 23 reasons your audit training or heck or any training is not effective. You ready? Let's go. Welcome to Audit Bites, the podcast that helps auditors become awesome. Join us for bite-sized info and education to excel in your auditing career. All right. Welcome, friends. And you've heard the question that I've asked for today. Why do you think you can't find engaging, relevant and just good training? So listen, welcome to episode number 54 of Audit Bites. Remember, we are the only live podcast where we discuss auditing and it is the place where we help make auditors awesome. You can find us on all of your podcasting platforms. So listen, why don't you just go over to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rate? I think we deserve it, don't you? So let's just get right into it. Listen, a lot of organizations talk about how they want to train people to be the best that they can be. They want people to understand the job that they're paying them to do. But yet, all too often, that training falls flat. Many of us with certifications, there's a certain number of training hours that we have to have per year. And if we don't meet those training hours, well, we don't get our certifications. But it's not about the number of hours that you get. It's not about the quantity. It is about the quality. So while some organizations smile and laugh and say that you'll be trained on what it is you need to do, we have to make sure that we have good quality training. So let's talk about 23 reasons your training is not effective. Who, who's ready to talk about 23 reasons their training is not effective? So before we get started, Tell me, why do you think you can't find relevant, engaging, and just good training? What are some of the reasons that you have identified? Now, as we work through the 23, I want you to tell me which one is your favorite and, and what would you do to overcome some of them? So, all right, let's get ready to buckle in. 23 reasons your training is just not effective. Reason number one is very simple. Time constraints. Some of us have very rigid schedules that don't accommodate being trained well. We're rushed to complete audit projects, and sometimes training is an afterthought. And it's especially hurtful 
for those who don't have certifications, because oftentimes there is no push to get you the training. So time constraints are one huge roadblock to getting effective training. But even if you have the time, I've talked to a lot of professionals who say, well, I have the time. However, I don't have a clear career progression. So there's an ambiguity around the advancement prospects. And so this leaves employees, well, demotivated when you don't have good career goals, nor a training plan on how to reach those goals. So now what does this mean for organizations? Well, first, first, if we go back to issue number one, time constraints, you've got to build time into the budget to allow people to be trained. The world is changing so fast. Think about this now as auditors, we're expected to know something about artificial intelligence. So has your organization made time for you to learn about AI? By the way, if you want to know about AI, I'm actually going to be at the iHeart Audit Conference tomorrow. It's given by the San Antonio chapter, and that is my topic, artificial intelligence and internal auditors. Now, if you happen to miss this, you can come to me and I can come to your chapter and deliver that training, or soon it will be on demand on my website. But organizations, you've got to make time to train people. Now, the next thing is unclear career progression. That's a problem because I shouldn't just be getting trained just for the sake of getting training. At some point, it should tie back to what I want to do in my career. If not, then it's kind of pointless. So let's get to point number three, lack of individualized training plans. Look, This is one that's going to probably make a few people angry. So before I get to it, let's get to our audience. Elizabeth, good to see you, my friend. Elizabeth is actually the keynote speaker at the iHeart Audit Conference. So if anything, you don't want to go there to see me. You want to go to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth, why don't you drop into the comments your topic? Because offhand, I don't remember it because I've got so much going on in my head. I do remember it's a good one and I will be sticking around for it. But what is the topic of your keynote speech? Elizabeth saying, I heart audit too. I think we all do, right? Everybody, even non-auditors should heart audit. But, but the lack of individualized training plans. I don't care if your department is one or 100. Every employee should have an individualized training plan. And I don't just say that. I actually do it. Last audit shop that I ran last audit department I was responsible for, every employee had an individualized training plan. Now, what that meant was we looked at the competencies necessary in the profession and where they were, and we developed training programs, things that they needed to attend in order to enhance the strengths that they had or bring them up to speed for any of the weaknesses that they had. And every one of them kept their individualized training program. And I checked on them periodically. How are you doing on this? Now, I will tell you, I had I had a few people, three people in particular. Let's talk about them. One person was all on board. She was like, great. I have my individualized training plan. 
Another person was very apprehensive. And then there was another person who was just dead set against it. Now, here's what ended up happening. With the person who was gung-ho, she went to training that fit everything she needed to do in her career. She was pretty happy. But the person who was a little apprehensive after I left that organization, she called me and she told me, she said, I'm glad that you made me do this. Now, for the person who was just dead set against it after I left, she ended up having to develop one for herself because the person that came behind me had expectations. Now, with those expectations, there wasn't necessarily an individualized plan. So how do you meet the expectations? You develop your own now. But this time it's not in conjunction with the person that you reported to. So wouldn't you rather have someone who supports you in your goals and objectives? So everyone should have individualized training plans. Now, before I move forward, let's get back to my friend Elizabeth. She says that she's doing a two hour ethics call life on a five second delay. Ethics lessons learned from lifelong hearing loss. So be sure to go and take a listen to that because, well, you get two hours of ethics. You get to hear about someone who's faced adversity due to hearing loss and how they've actually overcome it, specifically in the field of internal auditing, too. All right. 23 reasons your audit training is not effective. Reason number four is overwhelming content. Here's what happens. You realize that you have this certification and that you need training. And so you say, I'm going to go to some three day training and I'm going to get a whole lot of content. Now, first, that content is not personalized. Like I just said, you got to have a personalized training plan. So you've just taken things to get your hours. And then some of the content is extremely overwhelming because check this out. Cognitive overload and information retention are extreme challenges. And so you have to break down the content into digestible modules. You have to have supplementary resources and then you have to prioritize essential information. But if you are bombarded with a bunch of different topics on a bunch of different things and you're not ready for it, it can be overwhelming to a point where you don't really learn and retain as much as you should. So now, what is my recommendation for that? Find a few topics that you really want to get good at and focus on training for those for a short period of time and then move to the next thing. Don't try to do everything at once. It's a losing proposition. So now 23 reasons your audit training is not effective. Reason number five, reason number five. Sometimes we ignore emerging risks and trends. I tell you what, when the pandemic first started in 2020, I was doing virtual training sessions and I was telling auditors, listen, now that we are in a virtual environment, you guys should be doing video work papers. The response I got, oh man. One group said, well, we can't do it. So I challenged that. Why? Well, because they won't let us put video on our shared drive. So I challenged that again. Have you tried? No, we've not tried. Okay, is it a space issue? Well, no, it's not a space issue. Well, who is they that's telling you you can't? 
Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We don't know how to do it. Well, isn't there training available? So now I'll tell you why I bring this one up. So you all see me on this podcast. You see me on the Friday Froster podcast. You see some of the, some of the visuals that I have. I had to learn all this. I had to take training. So if there's a new emerging trend or technique, there's somebody out there teaching it. Now, let's get back to the video work paper concept. So I had one client in 2021. We were doing Sarbanes-Oxley walkthroughs. And this one process was just, I hated it. Oh, God, it was horrible. However, I recorded the video for them, the videos. I edited them. And then along with the narrative write-up, they had the videos so that they could actually see what the processes were. Client thanked me profusely. But initially, even this client was like, I don't know if that's going to work. Just give it a try. So we're not up to speed on emerging risk and emerging trends. Artificial intelligence, as I said earlier, is one of our new emerging trends and risk. And here's the thing. If you don't know what chat GPT is, something is wrong with you as an auditor. If you don't know what mid journey is and you've never experimented with prompts in mid journey, something is wrong with you as an auditor. As a matter of fact, the guy in the previous slide that you saw standing up, that was all AI generated from MidJourney. So if we're not experimenting, and especially if your trainers aren't experimenting with new trends and techniques, how can they train you? So when we ignore emerging trends, emerging risks, as the audit trainee or as the trainer, none of our training is going to be effective. All right. So... Next reason is lack of practical application. A lot of times we get training on things that we cannot, will not, and do not apply on the job. Sometimes it's impractical or improbable, and sometimes it's impractical right now. So when we have things that we can't go and apply on the job, even if it is something good, we get frustrated and we just put it on the shelf instead of trying to figure out a way to do it. Because I guarantee you, now that I've said video work papers, my DMs and emails are going to blow up with people asking, how can you do that? And if you want to know how, ask me. We can hold a training course. Where we talk about video work papers, how to quickly edit videos and how to get them in a format that is easy for you to understand as well as your clients. Because here's the thing. Once you start doing things on the job, they become easier and easier. It's like a muscle. So first you have this new thing that you've been trained on and you, you don't know how to do it, but you go and apply it on the job. And each time you do it, it becomes easier and easier to do. So let me just pause just for one moment and ask the question that I asked in the beginning. Why do you think your training has been ineffective. The training that you've received, why do you think it's been ineffective? Drop it into the comments. Let me know. If you're watching the replay, drop it into the comments as well. All right. So let's move on. Number six was lack of practical application on the job. But number seven is closely related. Lack of relevance to your job. Sometimes we get training on things and we're like, this is just totally unrelated to my job altogether. Why am I 
doing this. And if you've ever had that experience, it's extremely disheartening. It makes you wonder why even train in the first place, but we have to be trained on things, right? And so what you want to do is try and tie the things that you're being trained on back to the job as an auditor. When I first started doing training on soft skills and interpersonal skills, people were like, why are you doing this? Now, I'll, and mind you, I've been doing this since 2010. Now, all of a sudden, when you look at guidance from the IIA, if you looked at the new standards, it talks about getting training on soft skills, getting training on things outside of internal auditing. Why? Because that stuff helps make us better auditors. But when you find training that has no relevance to your job, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. But what's even worse than it not being relevant to your job is knowing what kind of training is relevant for to, to your job, but you have insufficient incentives to participate in training. This is number eight. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Our companies want us to get training, but they don't allocate time for us to do the actual training. Or when we come back, we're punished because we spent an hour, two hours, or two days away from the office. So everything has now piled up and it feels like a punishment for simply going to training. So if there's no incentive from your department or worse yet, punishment on the back end, the training is going to be ineffective because people are going to be apprehensive to attend any training. So for you people in charge of audit departments, give your people an incentive because the things that they learn, they're going to bring back and make your department even better. And I'm not saying that people do this on purpose. Sometimes it's not it's not done on purpose. It's just one of those things you feel it where everybody's like, you went to a training in Vegas. Did you have a good vacation? And it's like, well, just because the training was based in Vegas doesn't mean that I didn't take it seriously. Doesn't mean that I didn't go there to learn. So keep the snide comments to yourself. So when you have insufficient incentives for participating in training, your people aren't going to want to train or they're just going to get the drive by training, the quick hits that don't go deep enough for them to learn anything, which leads me to. Number nine, oftentimes there's a lack of recognition for training achievements. So when you have people that have a structured training plan, which was one of the previous issues, right? How often are we checking on them and saying, hey, these are the things that we agreed that you would train on this year. How are you coming along? And then how often do we reward them for training achievements? I'll give you another example. People who work for me. If you don't have the certified internal auditor designation, it is a requirement that I have. However, I give you time during the day to actually study for the exam. The time varies. It's usually 30 minutes to an hour. But if I'm not recognizing you for taking training and then achieving something, then what's the incentive for you to do it? Like, why would you even do it? So oftentimes your training is not effective because there's a lack of recognition for achievements. So for those of you in charge, let me talk to you all for a minute. Come closer. Come closer. When is the last time you recognize your employees for going to some relevant training and then bringing something back to the office and then implementing it within the office? 
If you can't remember, go do it today. All right. All right. So that was just for those of you who are in charge of audit departments. For those of you who are seeking training, look for that recognition. You want to make sure that you're being recognized for the training that you're doing, which leads us to number 10. Number 10 is a lack of accountability and a lack of tracking. So I said earlier, everyone should have an individualized training plan. You should be tracking that yourself, but your boss should be recognizing you whenever you achieve something that's on your individualized training plan. So there should be some accountability and some tracking. If your department has identified that you need to learn how to write better, then you need to take report writing training. And after that, you should have tangible results. The reports that you produce should be improved. But at the same time, your boss should recognize the improvement that you've had in your performance. So now that's the first 10 of 23. I'd be curious to know. What do you think? Now, let me also tell you, I've just got a couple of messages from some people saying, listen, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on the app and it's not letting me comment. Sometimes that happens with LinkedIn. So here's what I'm going to tell you. You can either comment after or you can go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe to that because you can always comment on YouTube. All right. So, uh, OK. Mm -hmm. I just got a private message from somebody that just said, most training is boring. And she she said not to say her name, so I won't say her name. So if you've attended a lot of really boring training, let me know. Hit some emojis like the clapping emojis, the heart emojis, anything like that. If you think this training is boring, well, it's not a training. It's a podcast, but it's kind of like training, right? Then just send me a message later and I'll delete it. No, I'm just kidding. So that, that brings me to number 11, number 11 of 23. And that is uninspiring trainers. Look, unmotivated trainers who lack enthusiasm in delivering their content, they make it challenging for you to engage. We've seen them, right? They talk in a monotone voice and then everything that they're going to say is written on their slides and they just sit there and read their slides. And if they're doing that, what is the point? They don't bring in any stories. They don't tell you about their personal experiences in struggling with what they're struggling with. And they're just uninspiring. Now, here's the problem. Here's one of the problems, too. And that's going to lead us right to number 12. You have a lack of experienced trainers. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes you have people that are really, really good at performing a task. That doesn't mean that they are good at teaching other people how to do that task. Now, here's the point where I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to get a little bit personal. When I started doing training in 2010, I said, well, what is this all about? What is the industry of training itself? Just because I'm a good auditor does not mean that I will be a good trainer. And so now I have a couple of certifications in instructional design, which is the art of putting together training materials. As a matter of fact, I just obtained a new one last night. It's artificial intelligence for instructional, no, for learning and development. I'm going to post about it on LinkedIn a little bit later today, just so you know that I'm actually telling the truth. Just because you're good at something does not mean you're good at teaching it to others. So you need to look for trainers who actually understand the art of learning 
and development. Now, I will say once I learned the rules, I learned which ones to follow and which ones I want to break. I've been told that I'm an unconventional trainer. I realize that it's done purposefully because this is who I am. But inexperienced trainers may struggle to provide real world insights and tract- and practical advice to you. And that's going to diminish the value of the training. Now, another problem I see with some of our audit training is sometimes it's led by people who aren't practitioners, people who've never been auditors before. Now, granted, if you're a good trainer, you can probably train people on almost anything. But auditing is very special. As a matter of fact, sometimes you have people who have been out of the field for so long, it makes it difficult for them to train on certain things. I understand that, too. But lack of experienced trainers is really hurting your audit training results. So let's go to number 13, which is somewhat related, and that is the failure to address different learning styles. You see, some people are visual. I like to see things. So that's why I even talk with my hands. And that's why oftentimes you'll see my slide deck has very few words on it. And it might have pictures of people and things like that. I make organizers really angry because they're like, we don't have a lot of words on your slides. Right. Because I'm there to tell a story. I'm there to create an experience. Now, some people are auditory. They like to hear things. Those will be the people who listen to me on Spotify and Stitcher. Oh, Stitcher just closed. Never mind. Spotify and uh, Amazon podcast and uh, the Apple podcast. They don't need to see things. They need to hear, which is why I try and paint a picture with the stories that I tell. And some people are what we call kinesthetic. Those are your different learning styles. They like to have a full blown experience. They like to see, feel, hear, touch. That's like the aunt that you have every time she sees you. She wants to pinch your cheeks, give you a hug and ask you how you're doing. Those are kinesthetic people. When you fail to address those different learning styles, your training will be ineffective. So with me, you'll see a lot of visual sometimes. And then sometimes you'll see, well, Just little old me on the screen and I'm just talking to you. And then other times you'll see where I tell a story, where I paint a visual picture. Sometimes I'll put up graphic images while I'm telling the story. And that's the whole experience. But when a trainer is a one trick pony. And they fail. To address different learning styles, it makes it hard for you all to grasp what they're saying now here. Is my advice to you, though, the person being trained, figure out what your learning style is so that you can gravitate to trainers and trainings that relate more to your learning style. So we can't place all the blame on people who are trainers. Right. We have to take some personal accountability. How do you learn best? Do you like visual? Do you like auditory or do you like the whole kid and caboodle? It has to be everything for you. If you know what your learning style is, stop selecting trainers who don't fit your learning style and then complain about them. This makes a win win for everyone. So learn what your learning style is. If you have trouble identifying it, I can help you with that. All right. All right. All right. So Marshall is here and she says, yeah, agree. Some trainers know the material but can't deliver it. Yeah. And that's no slight on their ability to perform tasks. I know some people tell me my direct delivery hurts their feelings. And so I'm not trying to do that. It just is what it is. That's no slight on you. If you find yourself in this category, just because you can perform a task 
doesn't mean that you can convey a thought to other people. Ah, Panum is here. And hopefully I said your name right. And she says, these tips are great and extremely accessible. Anyone can learn from these, even if they aren't an auditor. Yeah, that look, that's the way I do a lot of my training, because let's just be honest. Auditing is life. We audit everything in life. We audit our friends. We audit our finances. We audit our family members. We audit our relationships. We just happen to be fortunate and lucky enough to do this for a living where we audit organizations. But everything is an audit. Everything is an audit. So number 13 is the failure to address different learning styles. Remember, people learn differently. Find a trainer that matches your learning style. There, there are people who don't like me. I mean, can you believe that? No, I'm just kidding. There, seriously, there are people who don't like me. I, let me tell you, one comment I got from a training one time was, it was really interesting. I got something like a, a 4.8 rating out of five. And, and if you're like me, the first thing you do is look for the negative. And, and not because you're a negative person, but because there, there are a couple of things that can happen. It makes you identify areas that you can improve upon. Or it helps you identify the things that you know you are focusing in on. And so what he said was, I wish that he had just read from his slides. Well, my slides didn't have all these words on them. This is somebody who likes the type, the type of trainer that sits there like this and then reads from the slides that you already have. And since it was only one out of about a 200 people, I was OK with that because I'm not that kind of presenter. Now, if it had been. 150 out of 200, then I would have been like, ooh, I'm doing something wrong. But but you have to figure out what someone's learning style is. Present to a wide audience. And that's the challenge I have as a trainer. I have to present to people with varying learning styles. But you, as a trainee, need to figure out what your training style is and only select people who fit your training style. That makes it easier for you. Okay, so now, number 14, training styles. Number 14 is ineffective training delivery methods. Listen, when the pandemic first started, what did people do? They just went on Zoom and then they just put up their PowerPoint slide. That was it. And they read from those slides. And I'm thinking, wait, this is Zoom. In Zoom, you have the ability to move things around, to capture people's attention, to make them engage. Now, for those of you listening on podcasting platforms, I just switched the screen now. So now it was me on one side and some words on the other side, the point that I'm at right now. Now, what people are doing is they're looking at me and some people are like, oh, you look nice today because you have on your black shirt and your sports coat. And some people are like, get this dude off of our screen. However, we have to learn to deliver in multiple training delivery methods, which means sometimes we'll be telling stories. Other times we'll just have up pictures. Sometimes we'll have a PowerPoint dominating the screen. Other times the screen will be split with the trainer and the talking points. And sometimes you'll just see the trainer on screen. But this gets you, as the trainee, to pay attention. So sometimes ineffective training delivery methods make your training ineffective. You want to find people who can stand up and talk without a PowerPoint, stand up with their PowerPoint as a complement 
not to supplement lack of not knowing their material. You want to talk to people who can deliver without anything in front of them or with something in front of them. Various training delivery methods are extremely important. So now, point number 15, and this one is an important one, limited engagement opportunities. And what I mean by that is limited opportunities for the people in the audience to engage with one another. This is the problem with what I like to call one-way webinars. Those things are going to die soon. Mark my word. Why would you want to sit on a webinar and not be able to engage with other audience members or worse yet, the person leading the webinar? If this person is training you, don't you want to be able to ask them questions? Don't you want to be able to engage and interact with them? But yet, sometimes people don't allow participants to engage with one another. I did a training on ethics in December, and we had so many people from so many different countries, and they were all talking to one another. We did this one thing where I told them to drop in their LinkedIn handles because I use this software that will capture links. And then you send it back out to everyone that's in attendance so that they can now connect with one another. Now, Marsha is saying it's also important to train for success. Right. Right. But the whole purpose of training is to get you to succeed. Right. Whether it's exceeding at an individual task, a set of tasks, an entire project or an entire department. Oh, wait, by the way. When we talk about those engagement opportunities, you see what I just did there? Marsha had a comment, which I showed directly on the screen and addressed it because it fitted what I was talking about right now at the time. We live in a world where people want answers. People need help. And if we're just talking at them and not with them, then the training is going to be ineffective. And that's one of the 23 reasons, right? Limited engagement opportunities. Now, this next one is near and dear to me because it is failure to address ethical dilemmas. Let me explain what I mean by that. When you go to training and you learn about a new tool or a new technique, it might get you in trouble. Not because you're a troublemaker, but because your department and or your company is not ready for it yet. Or so they think. Give you another example. During the pandemic, when we were doing walkthroughs and things like that for organizations, I said, well, we need to, and I said this earlier, record some of those walkthroughs. Well, one of the answers that I got early on was, no, we can't do that. And I was like, well, why? Well, because that's proprietary company information that's being stored. And I said, yeah. But it is anyway. It's being stored by a third party within which you should have a contractual agreement with. Already. And so some of them went back and checked. And sure enough, there were privacy agreements already in place. So when you start doing things new and or different, you may face ethical dilemmas because some people are going to be for some people are going to be against. Naturally, people are kind of against change. And so you have to determine, are you doing the right thing? Are you putting the organization in an ethical dilemma? If not, you need to be able to articulate and explain yourself. So oftentimes 
people don't understand the ethical dilemmas you might place yourself in for learning something new. Oftentimes, trainers don't actually address that with you. Let's just say you learn a new technique and you take it back to the workplace. Is it going to cause potential issues or concerns? It might, but that's something we need to think about and consider beforehand. So now, number 17, the absence of social learning opportunities. Let's just be honest. We learn better in groups. But yet here's what we still do to this day. We go to training. We sit next to somebody that we that we know already because they work with us. And so we miss out on opportunities of meeting other people or or we go to training, we meet somebody new and we forget to exchange business cards with them or we exchange business cards, but then so much time passes and they probably won't remember us. And so we don't make that connection. Here's what's really interesting. Nowadays, we have the opportunity to connect with people on a regular basis. I'm a part of a few WhatsApp groups with auditors. I have my own WhatsApp group for auditors. We need to talk to each other on a regular basis. People in our industry, people not in our industry. Social learning makes the learning experience so much better. And the reason why is because we learn from everyone involved in the community. Now, while I have you here, would you be interested in monthly meetups, a monthly audit support group, the fourth Friday in every month, starting this month? Is that something you'd be interested in? Drop a yes into the comments if you would be interested in that. And close to the end, I'll tell you how we can accomplish this. So my goal is to do this every month. If one person shows up, fine. If nobody shows up, fine. But I'll be there as a support system for us. So again, if you're interested, drop hashtag support group into the chat so that when I'm going back and watching the replay, I can find you. I know I said yes initially, but I had to think about that. See, as a trainer, we have to learn how to think on the fly, right? <laughs> but, but no, seriously. And you have to know how to laugh at yourself, too. So, yeah, I see Paul has dropped yes into the chat. My man Brent has dropped yes into the chat. Hey, Brent, I didn't know you were here. And Marsha dropped yet in, yes into the chat. So forgive me, not yes. Do hashtag support group because that'll help me go back and find everyone. And then I'll, I'll, I'll put you on the uh, the list. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, because that was my fault. I should have uh, thought that one out better, because towards the end, we're going to talk about it again. And I'll give you links to sign up. Today. We're just going to be on Google Meet. We're going to choose the topics beforehand, but the first one, we're just going to have a, a brainstorming, right? Because we need support groups. Let's just be honest. We need support groups. OK, so now what number are we on? Goodness. Anybody know what number? We're on? No, I'm just kidding. We're on number 18 for the 23 reasons your audit training is not effective. And really, this can be applied to any training. Poorly structured feedback. Uh, let me explain to you what I mean by that. 
Oftentimes when we do training, we have these survey forms and it's like on a scale of one through five. Did you like this? Did it meet the learning objectives? Did you have fun? And while this is good, don't get me wrong, we need something that's better. And I'll give you an example. I did a training for a private client. Um, what was that? I think it was late December. Oh, yeah, it was late December. It was late December. And um, after the training, I just asked them, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? And it was funny because some of the feedback was, here's what we liked because we actually implemented it immediately. So I went and highlighted that thing because now I probably need to continue to stress that in more trainings. So, and it was my training, ask better questions, get better answers, perform better audits, you know, based on the book that I wrote by the same title. But they also had a few things that were constructive feedback for me. So again, wrote those down and said, oh, okay, hmm, I should probably not do this. But also there are certain things that they picked up on that I didn't focus on because I just kind of thought they were common, but apparently they weren't as common as I thought they were. So you really want to get very constructive feedback. What specifically did you like and why? The why is very important. And for that, you want to ask your people that attended training. So for, for you audit leaders out there who bring people in-house, find out specifically what your people really liked and find out why they liked it. Because it might be a specific topic, a specific trainer, a specific style. <laughs> now, 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 Brent is saying, I know what you mean by ineffective training. In other words, been there, done that. And he said, I should have added my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, you know, but, 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 but it's a two-way street. If we, people who are training, don't ask for good, solid feedback, then that's a problem. And if people who are being trained don't give good, solid feedback, then that's a problem. And I'll give you an example. I, I, had, I got one feedback from uh, this one training where someone said, I wish he had told more stories. And I'm thinking, wait, what? Because you all hear me. You hear the stories that I tell. That's all I do is tell stories. So I was like, okay, wait, how can I take this? Because some feedback may be like a one-off because I really can't figure out what the person was talking about on that one because that's all I do. But to their credit, maybe they just really, 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 really like stories a lot. So it made me think about it. Am I telling enough? Because honestly, I thought maybe I was telling too many. But you really want to figure out what people like, but not just the what, but also why. Ah, so Marsha's saying style and delivery is very important along with content. Absolutely. There, there are people who don't like my style. I'm not necessarily going to change it because this is who I am. I will alter it if there's certain nuances that are very bad, right? And so that's one thing I have. I think we have to consider. Just getting 40 hours of training for the sake of getting 40 hours of training is not sufficient, which brings us to number 19, lack of continuous reinforcement. Now, if you think back to some of the previous thing, uh, things that we've talked about today, Lack of a personalized training plan, 
for every employee, lack of matching it to where they are in their job. This falls right in line with that. If you are running a department and you don't have a personalized training plan for each of your employees, there's no way you can reinforce what it is that they've learned. The example I gave earlier, if someone is bad at report writing, you send them to training specifically for report writing. However, you then reinforce the things that they've learned. You don't have to know explicitly everything that they've learned to take a look at their reports and see if they have improved. If you're not continuously reinforcing it with your people, then the training will not be effective. Now, here's the other thing. If you're not a part of continuous learning groups, then it won't be reinforced. You're not going to go to training one time and pick up everything that there is to learn, which is why a lot of times the way I structure some of my training, if you if you hire me to do training programs, we spread some of the learning out over a period of time. So one week we might touch on one topic. The next week we might talk about subtopics, but then also we build in time to reflect from the previous week's activity because now you've had time to try and implement it, which leads to more questions. You see, the old way of learning, it's it's bad because it doesn't reinforce. But to do something like this, you have to be extremely strategic about your training, your development. Now, we're on number 19 right now, so just hold on because it gets even better. Because that gets us to number 20, which is no continuous support system. You have to have a support system because no one does life alone. You don't do your personal life alone. You don't do your professional life alone, which is why I asked people earlier. What would you say to an audit support group? Fourth Friday of every month, 830 a.m. Central Standard Time. Drop hashtag audit support into the chat. And if you wait a little bit longer, I'll give you the link on how to go and sign up right now. We need a continuous support system because the world is constantly changing. Again, auditors are now talking about artificial intelligence. But here's the other thing. Did you know that a lot of the big banks have a subgroup in their audit department that specializes in cybersecurity? Ah. So what's next for us in our profession? We have to know a little bit about a lot of different things. Oh, now Brent is saying, historically, uh, it appeared the trainers didn't really care. Of course, speaking of the old days, but unfortunately, one never knows what they don't ever know. Yeah, and I guess you're talking about the feedback. I think, I think you might be right. I think there's a, a small segment of trainers who never really cared about the feedback. It's all about the money. I think a majority of us actually do care. Um, it's just that the feedback mechanisms are just so broken. Like how do you get good feedback on what worked and what didn't work? So, yeah. So now. Number 20. No continuous support system. Because think about this. After you get trained on something, you go out and you try it and it doesn't work. You got a few choices. You can one, blame the trainer. You can two, blame yourself. Or you can do number three, which is the most productive. 
figure out why it didn't work, because it may be that you need to practice a little a little bit more. It may be that you need to go more in depth or it may be that that technique is not right for your organization because it may just not be a good fit. That's where the continuous support system comes into play. So now our next reason that your training is not effective is well, you have a limited investment company. Your company wants you to do certain things, but they aren't willing to pony up the money to get you the training that you need. And that's the unfortunate situation that a lot of us are in. And it is a horrible situation to be in. You see, if companies don't invest in quality training programs for your auditors, then the individuals miss out on valuable learning opportunities. They miss out on valuable learning opportunities. Ooh, now Marsha is saying number 20 is important. So you can, oh, tap into the trainees' capability and learning curve. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tap into, you can tap into the trainees' capabilities and learning curve. And what she's talking about is number 20 was not having a continuous support system. That was not having a continuous support system. Okay, so now, limited investments by the company. I'm always baffled by organizations that want you to learn certain things, but not actually support you financially in learning those things. To me, if I'm a job seeker, that's a huge red flag. I mean, gigantic. Because once you learn how to do things differently, you can shave time off of your audit projects, your time to complete them, your planning for them. Once you start to learn some new skills, new tools and new techniques. Now, this next one, though, is going to make some people mad because I can see and, and actually hear everybody clapping with the limited investment by the company. Yes, my company should give me money for training, but that's where I'm going with Next is an absence of personal investment in your training costs. In other words, you don't want to pony up any money for your own training. And look, I don't want anybody to get offended by what I'm about to say. This is just being really honest. You should see the number of emails that I get daily from people asking for free training. I get, that makes absolutely no since. So now I'm going to personalize some of this. When 2020 hit and everything shut down, my entire business operation tanked until I taught myself how to do live streaming. But that still wasn't enough because it was just okay. So I paid for coaches on how to live stream how to do sales, how to copyright. A lot of you follow me on LinkedIn and I get, I want to thank you for the encouraging words. I get a lot of things saying that the things that I put out, the content, it, it's, it fits. The stories that I tell are really good. The writing is really good. I paid people to help me write better. I invested in myself. So if you don't invest in yourself, why should someone else? And the things that I invested in directly help with auditing, too, because I have clients that I do audit work for. 
I said earlier that we should be doing video work papers. Well, heck, I had to purchase courses to teach me how to edit videos. So if you aren't willing to invest in yourself some, why should your company? Companies also have tight budgets as well. So they may not be able to fund your 40 hours of training requirement. But at the same time, you should want to invest in yourself for things that you believe would make you a better, not just a better auditor, a better person, a better employee, a better friend, a better mentor, a better mentee. So listen, we're not done yet, but I want to thank you all for coming on this ride with me of 23 reasons your audit training is not effective. Because if you weren't keeping count, we're on number 22. So that just leaves us with one more. But before we get to that last one, here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you to the audit support group. Once a month, we're going to meet up on Google Meet. The first one, it's by the way, it's the fourth Friday in every month. The first one is February 23rd. 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and 6.30 a.m. Pacific Time. Oh, that's 7.30 Mountain Time. I can't forget about my people in the MST time zone. And you know what I just did, too? Sorry, guys, I just messed that up. Here's what you want to be looking at right here. So all of the information is on the screen now. There is a QR code. And if you are listening on one of your favorite podcasting platforms, go to links.thatauditguy.com backslash events. What you're going to see is all of my events. And this one is the only one listed for now because we're going to start back doing virtual events in March. But you'll be able to see the event and sign up for it. Put it on your calendar. Don't miss it. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. Some people might want to vent. Some people might have questions, but we're just going to talk and help one another. It's our audit support group. For those of you who drop hashtag audit support into the chat, I'll send you the link via direct message on LinkedIn. But we need a support group to help one another out. So now audit bites, 23 reasons your training is not effective. We're at the last reason, the very last one. You guys ready for the last one? Anybody ready for the last one? By the way, before I get to the last one, what's been your most favorite one so far, the one that you could relate to. Marsha has already told us that number 20 is very, very important. What has been your most favorite one? And so without further ado, let's get to number 23, lack of coaching and mentorship opportunities. Um, So training is different from coaching. It's different from mentoring. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I didn't really understand the full extent of the difference until 2020 when I hired a coach. When you have the right coach, it is a life changing experience. 
you learn so much about yourself, which helps you to become a better person for all of those people around you. You also break down a lot of your fears if you have the right coach and the right coaching opportunities. So that's why I encourage you to join the audit support group, because look out, auditors, we need better coaches and better mentors. I know a few people who do it really, really well. I'm just going to mention one right now. Jason Mefford. This man has a coaching program for audit leaders. Now, where am I different from him? I want to start with the regular auditor. You may be an emerging leader or you may be a staff auditor. You might be mid-level senior auditor. You might be an audit manager. We need coaching and mentoring to start young and early. It's one of the best things that has ever happened to me because, again, I learned about personal branding. I learned about live streaming. I learned about podcasting. These were all things that I, I hired coaches and mentors for which goes back to some of my previous points. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, why would someone else? So, my friends, my friends, episode number 20, uh, episode number 54 of Audit Bites, sorry, 23 reasons your training is not effective. If you really enjoy this episode, refer it to some of your friends. Now, if you really, really enjoyed this episode, go to my website, find the podcast, and it'll take you to links to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, go and give us a five-star rating. My goal for this year is to grow this podcast. That is my goal for this year. Now, Marsha is saying this was a really great audit bites. Thanks for the 23 reasons which can be used in every area of business. I do believe most of the things we do as auditors can be used in various areas of our life. That's why I talk about auditing so much. I know sometimes it drives people crazy, but if it does, then don't listen. This career gave me a great life, actually saved my life. So I'm very passionate about it. With that said, look out for the next episode in two weeks. Refer us to some of your friends. Until then, see ya. Thank you for watching this episode of Audit Bites. If you receive value from this podcast, do us a favor. First, tell other auditors. Second, give us a five-star review. And finally, talk to Robert about training your auditors. Our contact information is on our website, www.thatauditguy.com. It's also where you will find our course catalog, on-demand courses, a kick-butt blog, other podcasts, Robert's best-selling books, and last but not least, audit merch. That's right, we have audit hats, shirts, mugs and more. Thanks for watching and listening. See you next episode.